I'm Jeff Croft with Circle C Enterprises in Palestine, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We've got rain in the forecast again for much of our state, so here's sending out some prayers that you've either gotten some rain or some is on the way for your corner of our great state. In the meantime, we got another episode of Texas Ag Today ready to roll for you. So jump on in with me, buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the midterm elections are just around the corner, or are they? It's only six months away, but in terms of politics, that can be a lifetime. We'll check in with National Cattlemen's Beef Association CEO Colin Woodall. He says it's very important that Texas cattle producers get involved in the upcoming elections. Plus another interesting story we have about drones. A federal judge recently struck down a Texas drone law. So does that mean you can now pull out the 30 alt 6 and crank down on one that's flying over your property? Well, might not be the best idea. We'll have both of those stories coming up to kick off today's show. My name's Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Even when our drought finally ends, Texas High Plains agriculture will remain challenged by water supply issues. That's a reality that is inspiring some farmers to explore livestock integration. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Farmers and ranchers are keeping an eye on the midterm elections and how the outcome this fall will affect the 2023 Farm Bill. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The congressional midterm elections are six months away. That doesn't seem very far, but in political terms, it's a long ways off. National Cattlemen's Beef Association CEO Colin Woodall says Texas cattle producers should plan to participate in the election process to make their voices heard. There is really a a long time between now and November politically. Matter of fact, I would say a lifetime politically. All it takes is a five-second soundbite or one wrong move that can completely change the trajectory of a congressional race. So while I do believe the Republicans have a great opportunity to potentially take back one or both houses of Congress, they're going to have to do a lot of work, mind their P's and Q's, and truly appeal to the voter in order to make this happen. But the voter also has to show up. So November the 8th is the day, Tuesday, November 8th. Make sure that you're there or you vote early because we need to ensure that the cattle producer's voice is being heard in this election. 
Woodall says there are several issues at stake in this election that affect cattle producers. Now with more on the midterm elections, here's Tom Nicoletti. My guest today is David Wasserman. He is house editor for the Cook Political Report based in Washington. And David, uh, you spoke recently to a number of cotton farmers in Texas about the upcoming 2022 midterm uh, elections and uh, the Russia-Ukraine war, the economy, inflation, high fuel costs, high agricultural input costs. All of those come into play when it comes to what might transpire in the fall election here in uh, the U.S. That's absolutely true. And cost of living and the economy are going to be the top issues this fall. Of course, high fuel costs, uh, whether they be gasoline or a diesel, are impacting uh, all Americans. Farmers, ranchers, uh, those not involved in agriculture, and certainly that's part of the economy, part of the pocketbook that uh, is uh, hindering a lot of folks this year. Oh, that's absolutely right. Rising interest rates and housing groceries, of course, in farm country inputs. When you combine all of these things, there's a sense of unease in the in the country about the future. There are 535 members of Congress. Well over 200 of those may be different members come this next election. Since the last farm bill was written in 2018, the environment is certainly going to be uh, different for agriculture when it comes to writing that farm bill in 2023 after the elections later this fall. There there are likely to be enough Republicans who are still supportive of more modest changes to the nutrition component of the farm bill. I, I do think there's a likelihood we will see a farm bill win bipartisan support in 2023. That is David Wasserman. He is a House Editor for the Cook Political Report. I'm Tom Nicoletti with Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A recent court ruling struck down a Texas drone law that prevented surveillance of another person's private property. Texas A&M Ag Law Specialist Tiffany Dow Lashmet says agricultural producers may have lost a protection from drone surveillance, but they shouldn't take the law into their own hands. The question I get the most related to drones is that, can we shoot one down if it's flying over our property? And, you know, we, everybody kind of laughs about it, but truthfully, the, the answer is no. And the reason for that is drones are regulated by the FAA, which makes them fall under the category of federally regulated aircraft. And as you might imagine, right, the penalty for shooting down federally regulated aircraft is extremely high. Um, and that's something that folks can overlook. So I always do want to be really careful anytime we're talking about drones and kind of give that warning. You know, I know that, that they may be annoying. I know that they may cause a problem. Getting the 30-06 out is probably never going to be the right solution to that problem. So now that the court has struck down this protection, is there a chance for ag producers to get those surveillance protections back? Well, we'll have to see. Um, certainly the uh, state could appeal this decision um, to the Fifth Circuit, the United States Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit. The deadline for that hasn't passed yet, so we'll just have to see what the state decides to do. Um, of course, another thing that could happen is the legislature could take this up uh, and pass a revised version of the statute uh, in the you know, coming legislative sessions and sort of take another run at it and try to cure some of these constitutional deficiencies that this judge um, found existed in the statute. So either of those things, I think, certainly could happen. We'll just have to wait and see how that plays out. Texas A&M Ag Law Specialist Tiffany Dowell-Ashmitt.
When our drought finally ends, agriculture on the Texas High Plains will remain challenged by water supply issues. James Hunt tells us that's a reality that's inspiring some farmers to explore livestock integration. Our region's water supply challenges have provoked more interest among farmers in the concept of livestock integration. Dr. Tim Steffens is a range management specialist with AgriLife and West Texas A&M. I asked Dr. Steffens to describe how bringing animals onto the farm provides benefits for water retention and soil health. If you're growing X amount of stuff and you go in and you cut that and windrow it and bale it, and haul it away to something. You've hauled away a whole lot of nutrients. You've hauled away a whole lot of cover. You've hauled away a whole lot of mulch that would keep that soil shaded and break raindrop impacts and shield it from wind. And you're feeding it to something that would have eaten what grew there anyways. If you directly harvest it with the livestock, all those nutrients stay there. You can pull the livestock off before they graze it down as hard as what you would with the swather. What they don't use, they're going to lay down on the ground, and that decomposes and is providing a lot of that mulch and cover and all the things that you want. And it makes the ground more hospitable for the microbes that are breaking down that plant matter and turning it into organic matter and making a better soil structure that lets water in the ground better. And then you're evaporating less of it off and you're using more of it for something productive. Dr. Steffens also says planting a cover crop that is partially harvested by livestock is better for water efficiency than leaving a field fallow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A growing population of invasive axis deer can threaten local agriculture. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more on that coming up on Texas Ag Today. And you've probably heard of stomach ulcers in both humans and horses, but pigs can get them too. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. On the Texas Ag Calendar, livestock producers in the Kerr County area have the Kerr County Ranch Field Day coming up Tuesday, May 24th at the Hill Country Youth Event Center in Kerrville. County Extension Agent Justin Klinzik is with us. And Justin, what will be happening at the Kerr County Ranch Field Day? I'm going to start the day out with proper weaning techniques for cattle, sheep, and goats and how that kind of benefits marketability. I'm going to discuss impacts of proper grazing and overgrazing. Morgan Livestock Equipment is going to bring in a mobile working pen, and we're going to get to do some live cattle handling and demonstrations with that. Dr. Joe Passel is going to talk about the benefits of pregnancy testing and demonstrate the IDEX alert pregnancy blood test. Then we're going to round out the day with Dr. Sonia Swiger from AgriLife Extension, and she's going to talk about parasite control in livestock. The Kerr County Ranch Field Day coming up May 24th. If you need more information, call the Extension office at 830-257-6568. 
If you would like to have your agricultural event featured here on the Texas Ag Calendar, just shoot me an email, cmartin, C-M-A-R-T-I-N, at txfb.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Well, we've heard of stomach ulcers in humans and in horses, but Dr. Bob Judd says pigs can get them too. Gastric ulceration occurs in swine when an area of the stomach gets roughened and eventually erodes. Dr. Bruce Lawhorn from Texas A&M indicates that as the erosion worsens, bleeding and eventually perforation of the stomach occurs, which is deadly. Gastric ulceration can happen in pigs for any reason that causes the pigs to go off feed for even just two to three days and occurs more commonly in the fall. Gastric ulcers in swine can occur when the feed is ground too fine, a sudden change in feed has occurred, with vitamin E or selenium deficiency, with excessive whey in the diet, copper toxicity, and roundworms. Pigs can also be infected by the swine variant of the Helicobacter pylori, which is an infectious cause of gastric ulcerations. The disease usually occurs in rapidly growing swine and can lead to decreased appetite, vomiting, and dehydration. Treated swine will usually heal. But the disease can recur, and untreated swine may be sick for several weeks and can die if the stomach is perforated. Any pig that is off feed should be suspected of having gastric ulcers, whether it is a primary problem due to dietary issues or whether another disease, like pneumonia, has stopped the pig from eating. And stomach ulcers have developed secondary to not eating. If the ulcers are severe, many pigs will bleed and their mucous membrane color will be pale. The disease can be treated with drugs to decrease gastric acid, drugs that coat the stomach lining, and injectable antibiotics. Since the pigs are usually not eating, you can give the medication in a slurry of oatmeal or fruit with a dose syringe given slowly in the mouth. If a show pig goes off feed, consider feeding them a slurry to prevent stomach ulcers. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A growing population of invasive axis deer can threaten local agriculture. Jessica Domel tells how in today's Wildlife Reports. On our last show, we told you that invasive axis deer are socially dominant and can push our native white-tailed deer out of prime habitat and compete for resources. That is just one of the reasons why researchers from Texas Tech University are trying to get a better idea of just how many access deer are in the junction area so they can be better managed. Blake Leslie, research coordinator at the Llano River Field Station, says one of the concerns with the growing axis deer population is habitat destruction. One axis eats about as much as one and a half whitetail. With these exploding numbers that we're seeing, that puts a piece of property at a very high risk for habitat destruction as far as food availability and quality of forage. Dr. Matt Buchholz, whose dissertation the research project is based on says access deer can also negatively impact local agriculture. We're looking at what access really overlap with in terms of their diet, what they kind of match with better, and also on kind of where they occur. Axis are probably in closer competition with sheep and goats than anything else. Dr. Buchholz says access deer can also decimate an entire hayfield. One property that I worked on, he had to fence his hayfields to keep the axis out of them. 
there's some agricultural concerns that, you know, just with competition with livestock, but also where there is crops, there's a high potential for access to come in and kind of decimate those crops. Leslie is looking for landowners in the Junction area who are willing to allow spotlight surveys of the access deer on their land. If you're interested, contact Blake Leslie at the Texas Tech campus in Junction. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Our market started the week with a bang. However, we wrapped up the week on Friday with red ink across the board. We'll take a closer look at all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Break out your camera and snap a pic for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. You or someone you know can share your best photo with the entire Lone Star State and maybe win some cash, like $250 for first place, $200 for second place, and $100 for honorable mention. The contest is open to Texas Farm Bureau members or an immediate family member. Rural settings and lifestyles are the preferred themes for all submissions, and contestants are limited to one entry per person. Top four winners will be selected and published in the July edition of Texas Agriculture and the summer edition of Texas Neighbors. Snap your pick now for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. The entry deadline is June 1st. Visit TexasFarmBureau.org for complete contest rules. That's TexasFarmBureau.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. One week ago, our markets were looking great. We started the week with a bang last Monday and ended up with a higher trade in livestock, cotton, and grains. However, it didn't last very long. Midweek, the Dow took a nosedive. We dropped over 1,000 points in one day, and that just weighed heavily all across the commodity markets. Despite any positive fundamental news that came along, the markets just could not overcome the fact that the overall economy is not looking so hot right now. And that weighed heavily across the board on our markets, especially as we wrap things up on Friday. We'll start with the cattle complex, where everything was lower except the nearby June live cattle contract. It was up seven cents, one thirty one fifty seven. The rest of the contracts lower. August live cattle down 47 at 131.55. October down 57, 137.42. May feeder cattle down 72 cents, 153.40. August feeders down $1.27, 163.92. September feeder cattle down 90 cents, 167 even. Cash fed cattle market drifted lower last week. We were about $2 lower. Most of our sales in the range of 136 to 138 here in the south. Up north, dress cattle traded for 223 to 228. That's $3 lower compared to the previous week. Boxed beef prices mixed on Friday. Choice was up $1.08, 262 78 Select down a dollar three at two forty five oh three. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with J.R. Gully. We talked with Ken Jordan of Jordan Cattle Auction, Mason and San Saba. Ken reported a large number of cattle sold at the Mason cattle sale this past Monday. You bet 
JR. We right had at eighteen hundred head of cattle today. Uh, very choice offering. Had about I think four hundred something cows. Rest of all calves and yearlings. I thought overall the market opened up this week. Very good demand on very good activity as a whole. Uh, I thought the stock steers probably sold five dollars higher today. Had a group of ten steers weighed four hundred seven at a buck ninety a pound. Had several five weights on up to a dollar seventy or so. 75 pounds of some really strong conditioned cattle and some wean cattle. I thought the stalker heifers, they sold probably uh, right at uh, steady to maybe two or three dollars higher. Feeder steers probably sold three dollars higher also. And I thought overall the feeder heifers sold fully steady. Packer cows and bulls, I thought overall sold steady too on good active trade. Pears and bred cows uh, didn't have very many young ones today, so really not a lot to test on on those, uh, JR. But overall, very good sale. It ran very smooth today and a lot of activity. Good deal. Now, I understand the sale in San Saba this Thursday. You're going to start with the Packers at 10 o'clock. Yes, it is. We're going to start the next several weeks now while well, these runs are big. We're going to go ahead and start at 10 o'clock. That way we'll get those Packer cows on up and uh, into the sale and everything and uh, uh, do that. And then uh, we do have a special offering of about 20 uh, Angus bulls, 25 Angus bulls are going to be there. And then we got several deals of pairs, some first calf, second calf, some really good fall. Kevin, four-year-old Herford cow is going to be there, several deals of Brangus cows. And we're going to run that at 1130. That is Ken Jordan of Jordan Cattle Auction, Mason and San Saba. This has been Walking the Pins from the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm J.R. Gully in for Larry Marble. Good day. Thanks, JR. Back over to the futures market now. We're about the only strong market we saw throughout the past week has been the lean hog market. June hogs up 357 to close at 108.87. July hogs up 202 on Friday, closing at an even 109. Class 3 milk closed lower. May milk down 3 cents, 2509 a hundredweight. June milk down 38 at 24.42 a hundred. Big losses in the cotton market. Again, the overall economy weighing heavily on the market. Also, the fact that we may get some pretty decent rain throughout Texas cotton-growing regions. That's another factor that didn't really help out prices on Friday. July cotton down 543 points at 142.27. The October down 319 points, 131.78. December cotton down 304 at 125.18. Lower close in the corn market Friday. July corn down four and a half, 778 and three quarters. September corn down three and a half at 747 a bushel. December corn down four, 732 a bushel. And the wheat market rounding out the week with a lower close in both hard and soft wheat. July Kansas City wheat down 42 and a half, 1252 and three quarters. July Chicago wheat down 31 and three quarters at 11.68 and three quarters. In the energy markets Friday, June natural gas was down 22 cents at 8.08. June crude oil up 49 cents, 112.70 a barrel. The financial markets narrowly mixed Friday afternoon. The Dow was up eight points, 31,267. The Nasdaq down 33 at 11,354. The S&P unchanged at 3,901. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. 
Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thank you.